So the sermon that I'm bringing to you is entitled, You Need Not Cry Very Loud. And during our thoughts, we're going to be considering searching for God, losing our balance, and waiting on God. So I begin with an anecdote that will make sense when we get a little further on. It's well recognized, isn't it, that as teenagers grow, their limbs sometimes outgrow their ability to control them, and they can be known for being quite clumsy, sometimes banging into doors that they full well know are there. And we all know as well ourselves, don't we, that there are times when we can be a little bit clumsy and actually looking back, we really can't work out how we broke that glass or damaged something or spilt something on ourselves. I have to confess here that uh, when I changed my uh, work path about a year ago, I sadly broke something quite early on in my job, um, but my employer, whose home I work in, was very forgiving. We all know what it is to be clumsy, even if naturally that isn't the way we are. So Nicholas Herman of Lorraine, who lived in the 16th century, has been described as an unlearned man. But he described himself as a big, clumsy fellow who broke things. He served as a soldier for a while, and then he became a footman to a civil servant. I think that must have been quite an unsatisfactory thing for a big, clumsy man who broke things. But it was during this period that he had a conversion experience and committed his life to Christ. And so he became a lay brother amongst the barefooted Carmelites in Paris. And a lay brother is one who comes without a dowry, and because of that they're put to the manual work and perhaps do the jobs that other people might not wish to do. And there he was known as Brother Lawrence, which is a name I recognize, but didn't previously know that he was also Nicholas Herman of Lorraine. So Brother Lawrence was put to work in the kitchens and he must have been surrounded constantly by the clatter of pots and perhaps the smell of boiled cabbage. But yet it was here that he practiced the presence of God in his daily life acknowledging that he was in God's presence at all times and committing every moment of every day to him. Brother Lawrence must have become known for his piety because although he was ill-educated, a small book of his conversations and letters to a local abbess has been preserved and in it he writes these words. You need not cry very loud He, that is God, is nearer to us than we are aware of. You need not cry very loud. He is nearer to us than we are aware of. So let's consider searching for God. The psalmist wrote, My soul cries out to thee. It has been said that there is no such person as an atheist when adrift and alone in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. Each of us does have an inbuilt inbuilt sense of the numinous, something other, something that is beyond ourselves. It seems we have a sense that something is missing, perhaps described as an incompleteness or a need to reach out to that that is beyond ourselves. And so we reach out 
for God. People look for God in all sorts of ways. Some people explore all kinds of different faiths or spiritual paths. Some people make a God of their family. Others make a God of their work or perhaps their hobbies. Others still make a God of their church or religion, failing to realize that while these are pathways to God, they are not God himself. For many people, the world that God has created is worshipped, but possibly in place of its creator. Others again may make a God of their good works. It seems very often we are reaching out to God, but perhaps running away at the same time. So maybe we don't always look for the obvious answer. In his book, Pilgrim's Progress, John Bunyan charged the progress of Christian through all the trials, tribulations, and the joys of the Christian life. And on his journey, Christian encounters the slough of despond, doubting castle, giant despair, and has many other adventures before finally his load falls off and he reaches the celestial city. And for all of us, our Christian journey is a search and it is an adventure. Some might argue that our search for God begins the day we're born and ends when finally we see him face to face. Another phrase you may have heard says, if God seems far away, guess who moved? And many of us work very hard in our search for God, don't we? We pray, we go to church regularly, we're kind to our neighbours, we might even attend all the church meetings. And yet at times it seems the harder we try, the further away God might seem to be. But of course God cannot move, God is constant. But at times I think we can acknowledge, sometimes in our lives, God seems not to be very near. But is he really any further away? Some things we won't have time to explore today and might perhaps be an entirely different sermon can make us feel much further away from God. Things like life circumstances, which can be challenging, possibly illness or mental ill health. Also, the lies and deceptions of the evil one, sometimes they can be very subtle. They can make us feel that God is further away. But we know, don't we, and read in Romans 8, that nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ. And today we're going to consider losing our balance. I would like to think of myself as somebody who has a very good sense of balance. I was one of those children at the seaside who happily hopped and skipped along all the rocks and didn't land in any rock pools, at least not without intending to. I used to enjoy taking our two when they were small up to Bolton Abbey and going across the stepping stones, even though there's really quite a large gap in the middle. Um, I was not too worried about me falling in. These days, maybe more so, but a sense of balance is a good thing, isn't it? So imagine a child spinning round and round and round and making themselves giddy. And suddenly when they stop, they might say, the world is going round and round. 
And of course it's not, but by constantly turning, that child has upset their balance. So what are the things that cause us to lose our spiritual balance? Things which, by our choice, can cause us to move further away from God. It's an old-fashioned word, but it's that word, sin. Now, very few of us, I'm sure, go around breaking the commandments left, right, and center. But what about those times when we're perhaps unfriendly or unkind? Or when we fail to do the good we know we should do? Or when we simply put ourselves first, when that's not appropriate? These and other things, of course, are also sins, and they build up a wall between ourselves and God, a wall that we are too powerless to pull down. Once we've done things of which we are ashamed, we cannot wipe them out. So when the child made themselves giddy, turning round and round, there was a good way that they could quickly reverse that process, and that was by turning around the other way, And that's what we mean by repentance. When Jesus died on the cross, he pulled down the wall, the wall that we have built up between ourselves and God, and he enabled us to become at one with him. It's something that has been done for us for all time. When we are sorry for what we have done and we turn the other way, The risen Christ pulls down our wall of shame and enables us to start again. So we think about waiting on God. Sometimes we might hear the choir sing, I waited for the Lord. What do we mean by that? And what does the psalmist mean when he says, put a right heart within me? When I read from Psalm 130, if you remember, the waiting was more than the watchman wait for the morning. So there was a Jewish refugee who escaped from France to England at the start of the Second World War. And in England, she was converted to Christianity as a Roman Catholic. Her name was Simone de Vile, and she wrote a book called Waiting on God. Often for us, that term, waiting on, can perhaps conjure up a vision of a a busy and attentive waitress. And when I'm thinking of that, I'm imagining a rather delightful afternoon tea with tiny sandwiches and little pastries, perhaps with one of those waitresses who wear black and a little white apron. That's one way of thinking about waiting on, but it's not, of course, what Simone de Vial meant. We know that the best is worth waiting for, And to wait on God can mean to wait quietly and patiently for him to speak or act in our lives. But it's not a passive thing. It requires action on our part. It needs a person who lives a disciplined life focused on God. That word discipline is perhaps not very popular. And if we don't quite think of it as we mean today, it might not seem like the word I intend, but I want to just mention a book to you that I read when I was much younger. We're talking about spiritual disciplines, of course, aren't we? When I was in my early 20s, I read a book by Richard Forster called Celebration of Discipline. And I think just the title of that book, if you haven't read it, 
sheds the right type of light onto this kind of spiritual discipline. It's a celebration of those things that can draw us closer to God. So that disciplined life that focuses in God, we need to ensure that there's adequate time and space for God in our daily routine. But think back to Brother Lawrence. That might be while we're doing some chore or job that needs doing, but our hearts and minds can be practicing the presence of God. It is also important that we make time for what other generations might have called their daily walk with God, a time set aside each day to pray, to read our Bibles, and perhaps to read what others have written in their search, and to quietly listen for God's word in our lives. Is God present in the choices we make? Or do we sometimes blithely barge ahead regardless of our faith? We need to be disciplined in worship and fellowship with other Christians. It's a habit that's much easier to lose than to acquire, isn't it? And perhaps as Methodists, we might do well to remember, it might be encouraging to remember that Methodism was born out of discipline and that might be comforting to you as I to recall that John Wesley, and I quote, went all unwillingly to the meeting in Aldersgate where he met with God and gave his life. He wasn't keen, he went all unwillingly, but presumably that was part of his spiritual discipline to go anyway. There's a poem that's known in many churches, and I didn't do Latin at school, so apologies if my interpretation of what it's called doesn't quite hit the mark. It's called Expectans Expectavi, or Expectavi. It reads as this. This sanctuary of my soul, unwilling I keep white and whole, unlatched and waiting, that thou shouldst deign to enter there. Those words might remind us of a housekeeper who's keeping the house in pristine condition, ready for the owner to arrive home at any time. Do we keep our hearts like that? Or perhaps we would identify more with a painting by Holman Hunt entitled Light of the World. This painting hangs in St. Paul's Cathedral and in it Jesus wears a crown of thorns and is carrying a lantern. He's knocking on a door. This door has no latch on the outside and it is overgrown with brambles because it's not been opened for a very long time. The reason why there is no latch is that it is the door of the heart and it can only be opened from the inside. And for all of us, Jesus is knocking on the door of our heart, inviting us to let him in. I'm sure we should look at our hearts and decide how open they are to that knocking. There is an old saying, isn't there, that you're not being able to see the wood for the trees. And certainly some people are so busy that they never even notice that the world is going by. And sometimes, perhaps, some of us are like that with God, too busy. But we do not find God by being busy. In the letter to the Ephesians, Paul says this. 
It is by grace that you are saved, through faith. In other words, God in Jesus has done all the work. He is ready and waiting for us with his arms outstretched. And all we have to do is to reach out in response. So maybe the thought you might take away is what is our heartfelt response? As Brother Lawrence reminded us, you need not cry very loud. He, that is God, is nearer to you than you are aware of.